and welcome to ABC Gotham, your New York City amateur podcast. I am your host, Kathleen. And hi, it's Kate again. And this is my co-host, Kate, again. Today, we are on the letter O. What's our topic today, Kate? Today is one of my favorite foods, oysters. The history of oysters in New York City. Oysters are one of your favorite foods? Yeah, definitely. I know you can't... I know it's really hard to fill yourself up on oysters, but... I just love oysters. I love finding all the little oy- the little bars that have happy hour for oysters, like dollar oysters. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Any place that has like craft beer and dollar oysters, I'm probably there for happy hour. <laughs> You'll see Kate there. Yes. <laughs> I'll be the one in the back with like pound, like piles of oyster shells around me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, we, we research oysters, and in a minute you'll hear about why they're so important to New York City. But, I mean, me personally, you know, oysters and clams, I just... Not so much? I don't get it. Do you eat them raw? Oh, yeah. I'll eat them raw. Oh, nasty. I'll eat them Isn't fried. like mucus? No, they're like delicious. Wow. Yeah, I'll I eat them fried. I might have to try one more, but I don't know. I'm just not a fan. I love po'boys. I love oyster stew. I made oyster stuffing one year. Or, no, I mm. went to a family member's house and they had oyster stuffing. Really, I'll the just turkey. eat them any way you put them in front of me. Well, here are some of the ways that you can eat them, ladies and gentlemen. I got a whole list. And even if you don't like oysters like I don't, it's going to start to sound pretty good. All right. You've got raw on the half shell. You got fried oysters, oyster pie, oyster patties. Oyster box stew, oysters pompadour, oysters algonquin, oysters a la Netherland a la Newburg, a la poulette, wow, oysters roasted on that. toast, I know, o- broiled in shell, served with cocktail sauce, stewed in milk or cream, fried with bacon, yum, um, escalloped, fricasseed, pickled. Kate, you got any others? Uh, you forgot one of the most famous ones created. Uh, I think oysters Rockefeller. You have to put that pretty, pretty high oysters up there. Oysters Rockefeller with the spinach. Yes, yes. Yeah, they, they're just—it's just, so rich and delicious. And I mm-hmm. am gonna go have some later today. I hope. <laughs> we talk about it too much. Oysters, yum, yum, yum. Um, gosh, yeah. Just, just doing this research and reading that list, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try one or two more oysters. I think oysters are huge in New York City history. They are huge. You don't even know, ladies and gentlemen, and it surprised me when I learned about this, but they... Imagine walking around New York City and seeing, like, heaps of sandwiches on the ground that you could just pick up and eat and go along your way. Or or piles of bagels just, just hanging out everywhere, and you could just pick one off a tree and eat a bagel. This is what it was like. They really with oysters. At some point, the New York City area had, I believe, over half the world's oysters in its bay. Half the world's oysters were coming out of the New York City Harbor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before the islands were called Ellis Island and Liberty Island, they were Little Oyster Island and Great Oyster Island I because of love the those oyster names. beds all around them. And I'm not kidding. This was the name of the islands. They probably could have called Manhattan Super Big Oyster Island because yeah, of definitely. all the oysters around here. Okay. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so I mean, they they were everywhere. They were the food you eat in New York. New York was known for oysters. Pearl Street, way down there by uh, by the the South Street Seaport? South Street Seaport, yeah. Pearl Street was once a waterfront road. It was named for a massive heap 
of oyster shells called a midden, and we'll talk more about middens in a minute. Um, it was later even paved with oyster shells. These are not the kind of oysters that make pearls, incidentally. These are just eating oysters, but that's okay. Um, the, yeah, it was New York was famous for the oyster. Um, before yeah. the 20th century, when you think of New York, you think of oysters. This is what New York was to the world. It was an ocean-going port where people ate succulent local oysters from the harbor. Visitors look forward to eating them. New Yorkers ate them constantly. They sold them by the millions. This is like the lobsters in Maine, like the blueberries in Massachusetts or the cranberries. Or, I mean, when you any of those places where you think of a place and a food immediately comes to mind, you know, Philadelphia cheesesteaks or Peanuts Chicago pizza Suffolk, or whatever, Virginia. New York was oysters. It was. There was actually at mm-hmm. some point over 350 square miles of oysters in the lower Hudson which, oh my god, how do you even measure that? I don't boats, even I know how they came up with this number, but <laughs> I was I was shocked. I mean, they definitely were able to count some of the mm. shells and finding these huge, like you said, these middens of shells. Middens, yeah. And we'll Sorry, I'm going to have a hard second, time with that word. but M-I-D-D-E-N, a midden, is a big heap of oyster shells, which, um, which were a big part of us figuring out how important the oyster was, because we forgot about it. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Um... To the oyster cellar, if you wanted to eat oysters, you would go to the oyster cellar, C-E-L-L-A-R, the basement where you served oysters. So it was the ubiquitous eatery in New York City from day one here until they stopped doing oyster beds. Um, one is Downing's Oyster House. That was a very famous one that was at the corner of Broad and Wall Street. And we're going to hear more about Downing in a minute. Um, but it wasn't just oyster cellars and fancy restaurants. It was street vending. They, the street vendors would sell uh, hot corn, peanuts, buns, but mostly oysters. Like, this was the New York City food. Yeah, hot I love corn, the idea. peanuts, buns, and oysters. I, I love the idea of going down the street, and rather than being the gross hot dogs that sit in the water, or hey, like those. those peanuts that I always wonder how long they've been there, even though they smell amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you mean uh, like the sugared peanuts? The yeah. sugared peanuts. Like, I in the winter, I always want them, but I just think they've been there since summer. Rather than thinking of all of that stuff, I just, I love the idea of walking down the street and being able to just be like, oh, I'll have a, I'll have a dozen oysters. Yeah, give me a dozen of those. And like they scoop them with the shells and and into a a white, red and white striped paper container or something. Yeah. And you just walk down the street eating oysters. That sounds amazing. They were everywhere. And uh, a French person visited New York in the 1790s, Frenchman Morel de Saint-Marie. He commented, Americans have a passion for oysters, which they eat at all hours, even in the streets. So you would eat these in fancy places, in cheap places, and even the very poorest New Yorkers, people said, had no other subsistence than oysters and bread. And actually, then they were doing okay. Like, oysters have a lot of vitamins in them. They have, they like, right. pretty much everything you need in them. Uh, I, I was so just I'm- trying to convince my my boyfriend about that i was like oysters are so good for you but he has it in his <laughs> mind that guinness has everything you need ah for you a know, day. so we fight back there's like a stew on... right oyster guinness stew i think i think i need to make that that'll be the next superfood watch you watch dr oz will be talking about it in in a few weeks i know um, i know after our podcast right i'm trying to think of what do we have that's comparable that is just in all what food it encompasses all classes and all levels of eatery. All I can think of is like bread and coffee. I think of pizza. You have like the dollar yeah. slices on the street, but then you have the high end 
pizza places? There, yeah, there are some fancy pizza sure. places, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go it's... back in time now. Okay. So we're going to go back. We're a just... history podcast. We get we to go are... back in time. We're going to go we back in time now. We're going to hop in our TARDIS mm-hmm. and go back hundreds of years <laughs> to when the there were no European settlers yet in the area. You had the Lenape Native Americans living here, and mm-hmm. th- even they, they had a huge passion for oysters. Mm-hmm. And looking back at they, the middens, which we were talking about, it's amazing. You, they found like ten inch oyster shells. Like these were huge. huge. They didn't just eat tons of them. These, I think they can get almost a foot across. A foot across. I don't For even God's know sake. how you oysters eat an oyster the size that big. of your head. Can you imagine? No, but you start seeing the problem. Some problems that plague the oysters. The entire history we're going to talk about. Pollution and over over harvesting, even mm-hmm. back with the Lenapes, mm-hmm. where you'd have these middens, and on the bottom you'd have these like twelve inch oyster shells, and they would, as you'd get to the top of the stack, there'd already be like much smaller oysters. Mm-hmm. I mean, Europeans who come early, very early Europeans, the Dutch settlers. Uh, we're still saying you could find these enormous oysters, but they were already getting smaller. So imagine mm-hmm. a few hundred years, few hundred years ago, you have these plate-sized oysters, and then you mm-hmm. think of what you commonly see of oysters today that are, you know, smaller than your palm. They fit in your hand, yeah, yeah. So what an amazing, what an amazing difference that if we had, we just left them alone and mm-hmm. didn't have our dollar oyster specials. <laughs> that might be still what we have. Uh, and the thing about our dollar oyster specials now is those aren't New York Harbor oysters. They're those not are all local. imported. And we'll get into why that is in a minute. But yes, go on. Yeah, at some point, the oyster population could clean the entire Hudson, lower Hudson and the Bay mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a few days. Like there were so many they're oysters. they're filter feeders, right? They are. They, which I get a little kind of grossed out then by thinking about what Don't you're eating. Don't think about that. So it's catfish. Don't think about they, it. They they could clean everything, and they actually still are the ones that are in the harbor now, which is why you don't want to eat them. Is they're mm-hmm. really good at cleaning up biological waste. They're just terrible. Right. At, of course, they can't clean the plastic or the glass right. or. Whatever else, petrochemical is in the waste. That's kind of tough, but that's biological tough. Muscles, waste. I hear are better on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is when we start having the Europeans come in. The Europeans discover, like they discover things. Uh, sure. Oysters. You know, they see mm-hmm. these Native Americans pulling these oysters. I'm sure oysters were in Europe as well, but they're just so much more plentiful here. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're harvest, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're har, you know, if you have a bad harvest or whatever, you at least have this food source that you can mm-hmm. go to mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. You could just walk out into the bay, grab a handful of oysters and you have dinner. Mm-hmm. Now here's one, one little problem with oysters everywhere and the ubiquity of oysters and always having this available food source. And it's the same kind of problem that, uh, alcoholics have, I understand, which is what do you do with all these empties? Right. Now you um, should. And it took them a while to figure out what to do with these oyster shells, which is partly why you see massive. Well, we they had massive piles. I don't even know how high the middens would get. Would they be like six feet tall, or was this just heaps I, that they found around in, the places? I, I imagine they're heaps, like maybe a few feet tall. But I imagine yeah. these like six foot, eight foot tall. 
But then mm-hmm. I don't know how why someone would climb up to six feet tall to put a shell on yeah, the you top. Just, you just toss it up there, though, you know? Right. I mean, and the thing is, I mean, it's not like garbage now. It's it's that they're just shells. And uh, right. what they found eventually is the best thing to do with empties, oyster shells, is to dump them back into the oyster beds. And then right. oysters could, like, you know, glom onto that and, and grow and, and the way they are. But they tried a lot of other things to get rid of them also. They tried to burn them. Which sounds um, awful. I know. You... What, what? Maybe, we'll maybe burn they thought it, it was like wood. Away. You can burn bones, though, you know, so if they, like, were eaten deer and burning the bones to get rid of them you know it's worth trying i guess mostly they put them in piles or they turn them into mortar paste which is actually pretty uh, smart that's actually very smart to add to aid uh new york's building boom and trinity church which you can visit today is a building built with oyster shell mortar paste but you know with our current knowledge we would know just dump them back in the water I kind of want to go check out Trinity Church again to see what... Yeah, yeah, and look at the mortar. Oyster <laughs> shell mortar paste looks like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, we've talked before about one of our favorite people, Charles Dickens, when he came uh-huh. to visit, about what he thought of New York City. I'd say the one, the one positive thing, kind of, that he said about his trip was how addicted we were to oysters. He really talked a lot about how much... The United States and New York loved our oysters in particular. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. visited several famous oyster cellars, which we talked about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually really, for years, have been wanting to go to Delmonico's, and Delmonico's oh, yeah, yeah. was definitely high on the list of places to go if you had a lot of money to spend mm-hmm. on oysters. But like we said before, there were, you know, it was something definitely every class A, whether you mm-hmm. were buying them for super cheap on the street or, mm-hmm. you know, Going to Delmonico's and mm-hmm, noshing mm-hmm. on all kinds of strange variations. Yeah, there's the New York Public Library website has a couple of old menus. Not a couple. I think they have a whole menu project. Oh, right. And you can see PDFs of old menus, and they do have one of Delmonico's, which is a lot A lot of it's in French. So Delmonico sort of pioneered right. that um, Frenchification to make it look fancy uh, stuff that we still do now today. Um and there are many, many kinds of oysters listed on that. But the, you know, the number one place to get oysters, and, and you mentioned a lot in the history books, is Downing's Oyster House. So we mentioned this a second ago. A celebrated oyster seller of the 1800s. This was at Broad and Wall Street. Proprietor Thomas Downing was an African-American businessman, which was very rare. This is before the Civil War. Hugely rare. Uh, he listed his occupation as oyster man in the city directory. So his oyster house is well known among the, the rich people. He himself became kind of rich and famous because a lot of rich and famous people were going there and, you know, talking about finance and land and important wealthy person things. The oyster house was not just raw fried or steamed. Here's what the menu had. Get ready. I'm ready. Scalloped oysters, oyster mm. pie, fish with oyster sauce, and poultry stuffed with oysters. That's so the you one had the I power want. Brokers. I know, don't that sound good? Power brokers are eating and making deals under these fancy chandeliers. Meanwhile, Thomas's oh, yeah, son, George, yeah, was leading escaped slaves to the basement. So they right, were safe the underground from bounty railroad. hunters. This was part of the Underground Railroad, yeah. So it says from 1825 to 1860, Thomas and his son, George were part of the Underground Railroad to Canada and to freedom. They were leaders in the growing abolitionist movement. He 
Thomas founded the all-black United Anti-Slavery Society of the city of New York. And the next year, this is so great. I love this guy. He must have been just so energetic. Next year, he began petitioning New York State for equal suffrage for black men. He was petitioning in 1837. It took a while for that to happen. Um, and he just took one petition after another to Albany. He was just constantly bringing petitions petitions to Albany. His quote is, if one petition failed, another would be presented. Yeah. Um, there was a time when uh, there were no high schools in the city that would accept African-American students. He helped found the first schools that would accept them. And according to his son, uh, Thomas Downing, I love this quote, was an extremely active man who knew not tire. And when Thomas Downing died on April 10th, 1866, the New York Chamber of Commerce closed for the day out of respect. That's amazing. Isn't he's that amazing? Such an amazing man. I also I love that he's so humble. Like his occupation is oyster man. Oyster man. I had some info where he actually would go out on the barges to pick out the best oysters himself mm-hmm. for his restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like he knew his stuff. Uh, he just seems so amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, with all these oysters that are out there, you have to start wondering, are, you know, what led to from you know, this great abundance where we're having oyster stuffed poultry to where mm-hmm. we are now, where we just don't have any oysters. Mm-hmm. And it's a delicacy. It's for rich people, honestly. Right. Unless you are like me and you do the dollar, the right. dollar oysters. But I mean, really from the beginning, there was a lot of problems with the oyster population all mm-hmm. the way back in, I know we're going back in time again, but in mm-hmm. 1658, uh, the Dutch Council of New Amsterdam already limited where and when you could harvest, which they said is where the beginning of this only eat oysters in months that end in R. Have you heard this? Really? Oh, okay. That Supposedly, but it, you know, they said uh, it, it doesn't really, because August, it's supposed to be, it's like when they're spawning is, mm, I forget okay. how it goes. But August, which is a month that you wouldn't, you should be eating oysters. Hmm is when they are spawning, so you shouldn't... It, it really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Maybe en- months that end with R are the cold months, and right. so it'd be... That would already cut down on who's going to harvest then? Maybe something like that. Maybe. Um, well, it brings us up to 1704, and certain areas, like the Rockaways, are trying uh-huh. to make it, are noticing that their population is really going down, and so they're trying to make it so only locals can farm there. Because mm-hmm. you have people like, okay, well, this oyster bed's dead, so I'm going to go to this one. Mm-hmm. And it it really starts this, really the end of the oyster scene here. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's what we do with our with our environment, right? We just take and take and take until we're like, oh, wait, there's not bottomless fossil right. fuels. There's not endless timber out there. There are not what? oysters... Uh, a cornucopia of oysters like we thought there was. We just kept taking, and now we are paying the price for that. Right. Pollution gets worse, which mm-hmm. pollution is kind of killing off the oysters, and you don't want to eat them then. But right, also, right. maybe the pollution wouldn't be so bad if there were as many oysters as there used to be. As I said, you know, mm-hmm. the oyster population used to be able to clean out the New York City Harbor in a matter of days. Yeah. But... When you suddenly don't have that many oysters to keep up with cleaning the water, it just gets dirtier and dirtier. And then the oysters that are there, you just really don't want. You don't want to touch them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It was uh, 1913 that the 
Grand Central Station Oyster Bar opened. The Grand Central Station Oyster Bar has never served a New York oyster. Not nope. one. Nope. No. Nope. And it was, at some... everything was too far gone by the time it opened up in 1913. Which, yeah, told, I, it's such a shame. Mm-hmm. Mo- actually, most of the natural shellfish beds were exhausted by the 1810s, and... But, you know, we still had a big oyster boom through the 19th century. Mm-hmm. What they were doing, which I actually found very funny, we keep having these links to Virginia. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of these um, seed oysters, you know, baby oysters, were being imported mm. and transplanted. Huh. So then a lot of the oysters that people were eating, the local ones were really gone. They had been, like, transplanted oysters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, 1840s, 1850s, it's the biggest, oyster harvest is the biggest industry in the city. You have a thousand men working mm-hmm. in this field. Uh, just to give but you... it can't last uh, forever, yeah. No, and but just to give you, like, a few more numbers, you know, in, eight, in 1842, New Yorkers were consuming $6 million worth of oysters. Mm. And it just goes up from there. The 1860s, not even... Yeah, about 20 years later, they're selling more than 12 million oysters a year. Mm-hmm. And in the, like you said earlier, the 188, the, in the late 1800s, the ni- mm-hmm. late 19th century, families were eating oysters at least twice a week. So mm. it's a big part of what we're doing, but we're not doing anything to make it sustainable at the time. Right. And, and, you know, no one would have thought that that was even necessary, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and then it was 1916 that stuff really started to shut right. down. They linked a typhoid epidemic to oysters, Staten Island oysters specifically, and then a ban on oystering followed. And that was it. 1916 it all it all shut down. Yeah, it goes from these apparently these really rough and tumble bars on Canal Street. You could buy mm-hmm. all you could eat oysters for 6 cents to mm-hmm. maybe like 50 years later, 40 years later. Not, mm-hmm. there's no oysters at all. Yeah, yeah. And they're just too polluted. And the pollution was there as early as 1927. It it, it was, they're inedible. You know, the, the ban was there already in place, thank God. But if you tried to eat something in 27, you would regret it. And pollution just got worse, worse and worse until all the way up to 1972. It took that long. Right, and they for- passed the Clean Water Act. And finally, we... uh we still we finally got to see some improvements but here we are you know 40 years after the clean water act passed uh, don't don't eat any oysters you find in the harbor i wouldn't do it they yeah. are introducing as well as mussels they are introducing oysters in certain places in the new york area new york city mm-hmm. area to help mm-hmm. clean the water they're actually I mean, they're really good at this is what they do. So I would really not eat these. But I do know in yeah. the Gowanus Canal, they're they're there. They're kind of thriving mm. because there's great. so much terrible stuff for them to eat. And they love it. Yeah, uh, it's the, great. There's a couple images on the Facebook page you can go see of the New York City Harbor School. That's the high school that's on Governor's Island. Of the kids there working to help introduce oysters into our waterways. Because, yeah, they're good at what they do. They can't do anything about PCBs, heavy metals, so don't eat them, but they can clean organic waste from the water. Pretty, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to call them animal. They're not an animal. Pretty amazing bivalve? A bivalve? It's an an animal. It's not a plant. Okay. So, food for thought? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. We hope you got 
a lot out of our short uh, podcast on oysters, stocked mm-hmm, full of info. Mm-hmm. So think about it next time you go get oysters. Don't get the dozen. Maybe just get six. Get your blue and point from Long Island. Definitely. Definitely. And I do want to point out, you know, a, a, a company we've given shout outs to in the past, but are no less fans of is Urban Oyster Tours of yes. New York City. And as they will explain to you when you go on the tour, that's a great name for a historical walking tour company because like the oysters, we can't just take it for granted, take advantage of it, and not work to preserve it. It's important that we be active about maintaining New York City history, just as it would have been good for New Yorkers a century ago to be a little more proactive about maintaining the oyster beds. Right. I'd also like so to give a shout So you can see a link to Urban Oyster underneath, uh, right on this page here. Um, I just want to give a shout out to um, Mark Kurlansky, which was, he wrote a book called The Big Oyster, History on the Half mm-hmm. Shell. Really mm-hmm. good for, you know, giving you kind of everything you want to know about mm-hmm. the history of oysters here in the city. If you Definitely. really want to learn a bit more and go a little more in depth, I really recommend it. You can find it on probably pretty much any bookstore or on any of your, I don't want to give a shout out to an online bookstore. No. But, go to your you local know. library. Your local library, your book, Brooklyn, New York, Queens, are, are they all separate still, or? They are all separate, yes. Okay. Your local borough library. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you learned something that you hadn't known before. Yeah, thanks. Tune in next time for Letter P, which I'm really excited about. Oh, Letter P is going to be a good one. You're going to like it, folks. It's be thanks good. for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. For more ABC Gotham, go to our website, abcgotham.podbean.com. Special thanks to Podcasting's Brock. The music for ABC Gotham is by Big Rude Jake. ABC Gotham is a K2 production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. A favorite song, I wish you could be here with me on this night in New York City. I wish you could be here with me on this night in New York City.